Welcome to another distinct nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. Now for a distinct nostalgia re-release to mark a special anniversary. It was 40 years ago this month since Juliet Bravo first burst onto our screens on a Saturday night. And so we're replaying our special reunion between inspectors Jean Darbley and Kate Longton, otherwise known as actresses Stephanie Turner and Anna Carteret. It's one of our most popular shows this year, so we wanted to give new listeners and subscribers the chance to appreciate the programme. Sit back and learn a lot about one of the most groundbreaking shows of the 80s, which helped to make people finally aware that women police officers did exist. It's a good one, this. (laughs) Gosh, that brings it back, doesn't it? brilliant thing, isn't it? Actually. Isn't it? It's really well I done. I wonder who chose it. It was a guy called... Oh no, I met him. I met him, actually. Because it's a classical mix, isn't it? Mm. I, don't, I can't remember what the story was now, but I did, I did meet him. But fairly early on, when Juliet Bravester first went out, and I did an interview, it was my first one, for Terry Wogan. Okay. And Terry Wogan was doing a live of his programme. It was down at his house in Bray or something. Is it TV or radio, this? Radio, radio you know, the, yeah. the big, long thing. Yeah. But he was doing it live. And I was terribly nervous and shaking. And it was really... But he was lovely, absolutely lovely. And I was introduced to my music publisher. Oh, OK. And I thought, sorry, my, what, what, what are you talking about? But the, it was the, the person who'd written the theme tune and the person Derek who Derek Groom, his name. Oh, Derek was Groom was the guy. Yes. It was Derek Groom, was yeah. very famous, that's yeah. right. Yeah. You could buy a paper version mm. of it, you mm. know, play it on the piano in those days. I mean, mm. it was quite a thing. And it was actually a, a classical mix. It's got some bark, it? there's some bark really? in there. And various, yeah, Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote loads of theme tunes, didn't he, Derek yeah, Groom, did, actually? Yeah. 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 Yes. They're so important, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they bring something back. Yeah, absolutely. Years and years but later. That, our, because we were in studio in these olden days, they would play the theme music every week. Every, well, before you started? Did you start at the some, Not necessarily, but at some point during the studio, they would play that music. Mm. Oh, I never knew that. That's interesting. Yeah, they did, okay. yeah. Someone had it a lot. And yeah. as I was saying, you know, it makes my stomach turn over even yes. now, actually, because, <laughs> yes. you know, you're always in a state of nerves and apprehension in the studio, because yeah. it really was quite yes. frightening, really, wasn't it, <laughs> it being was. in the studio? It was. Yeah. You know, because you only had this time to do everything. But it's such an iconic piece of music, is it, in the sense, mm. I know we say, everyone can say anything, anything's iconic, but it is one of those really catchy ones, isn't it? One of the ones that you, mm. you know, you, it's one of, the, one of the ones that stands out, certainly yes. from, for me, from my, yes. from my growth up period, I always remember Julia Bravo. Even if you didn't watch it, you knew the Julia Bravo yes, theme. Yes. Was it not the Zed cast theme backwards or something? I'm not sure about was that. Was there some... <laughs> there was some... I'm sure people write in and tell us. <laughs> there is some connection with the Zed cast theme. Have I? I've never heard that. I don't think I've made it up, but it may be <laughs> apocryphal. So Anyway, in case you've not guessed 
uh, already, anybody who's listening to this, we're here with two inspectors <laughs> of uh, Juliet Bravo, uh, who were, of course, uh, it was Inspector Jean uh, Darbley, uh, played by Stephanie Turner, and Inspector Kate Longton, played by Anna Cartwright. But, of course, for many of us who grew up in the 1980s watching this, as, as, as well, not just ki- not just those of us who were kids, but adults as well, most of us actually thought you were called Juliet Bravo. <laughs> yes. I know. Yes. I still get fans <laughs> writing to me, Dear Juliet. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't yes. it? <laughs> yes, yes. Which yeah. then no one realised that would happen because, of course, it was the call sign. Yes. And no one had, uh, yeah, yes. no one had un- understood that it, it no. would, everyone would think the character was called Juliet mm. Bravo. Yes. Now, of course, it was, you know, again, it's an overused term. This was groundbreaking, that was groundbreaking. But actually, it was in, a many, way, in many ways, wasn't it? This and the opposite number on ITV, which was The Gentle mm. Touch, mm-hmm. uh, which Jill Gascoigne played Maggie Thorbes. How did it come about, Stephanie? How did you hear about Juliet Bravo? Can you take us back to the early days before it was on on TV? Yes, as far as I know, it was Ian Kennedy Martin's idea. And I don't know where it came from into his head, except he was very clever. And he'd um, written for the Sweeney and things like that. He'd written for the Sweeney, he'd done masses yeah. of television. Yeah. He had this idea that it would be very good to have a woman in charge of some kind of uh, police station. So he approached Terry Williams, I think, who was the first producer... And they had contacts with Lancashire Constabulary because of said cars. Mm. So they approached Lancashire Constabulary and said, look, this might seem a bit odd, but is it possible that there could be a woman who was running a police station or was as high as an inspector? And they said, yes, of course it is. We've got several. Actually, that's not true. They didn't have several, but they had several women of that rank. Mm. Mm. And we do have someone who we can introduce you to her who was a woman called Wynne Darwin. And, uh, I remember her. Yes, mm. and so he went ahead and wrote it. <laughs> OK. Did you, did you meet her? Oh, yes, yeah. I, I'm still in touch with her. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Yes, fantastic. she lives in Spain now. All right. What was she, what was she like? Because, I mean, did you, did you model the part on her? No, or? not at no, all. No. no, because what Ian had written was rather different. Right. Wynne is a delightful woman. Her husband became the police advisor that he's sadly since died. Um, there is a difference between an actor... And a real-life police person, believe, mm. there really mm. is. Of course. Your whole attitude <laughs> to life is different. Mm. Yeah. And Wynne was a very successful police officer. And she was a very nice woman. And as far as those days went, I don't know if it's different, she was very liberal. Okay. As far as I was concerned, she was pretty right-wing. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I'm not that left-wing. But, you know, the police force as a whole mm. is fairly conservative. Mm. Yes. They were delightful people, but the police are different from actors. Yeah. Of course, mm. you know. Of course, of course. Well, actors are like children, aren't they? They never grow up. They're always playing games and pretending to be other people. Absolutely. Yes, yes. So, so um, Stephanie, how did you get the part? And I gather you, you actually applied for a different part, for another programme. Yes, I, I was uh, asked to go for an interview for The Gentle Touch, uh, which I didn't get. Uh, Were you upset? I suppose I was. I can't remember. Because that was going to be the first, wasn't it? Was that, was that well, important to you? The first one with a woman in charge? It was described in a different sort of way, oh, okay. actually, because, of course, she was a detective. Yes. And it was described differently, and there hadn't been a particularly good interview, so I wasn't that surprised, okay. really. And then I went for this interview, and this I wanted. This I really wanted. And the script editor was a woman called Joan Clark, and I knew her because I had done Z card. I don't know what it's about me, mm. but obviously people thought I was like a police person. <laughs> <laughs> I had played a policewoman in Z cards right. uh, from time to time, and I really wanted this one. And 
I mean, amazing, really, considering what was... They planned for 16 episodes. They didn't know it was a Saturday night peak viewing, but they hoped it was. And given that, when you think what would happen today, mm. I only had two interviews. Right, OK. You know, today you'd have six or seven on the screen. Definitely. Test and and you'd be what. filmed, wouldn't you? And I had two interviews, yes. quite short ones, actually. Mm. So take us back to the first lot of filming and the scripts and things like that. I mean, you, you wanted the part, but... Did you know? Did, did it all come the, the, into the reality the way you wanted it to be, or were there you know things that didn't quite go? The first thing was the scripts, as is fairly usual, weren't ready. We were about to go, mm. and hardly anything. It's probably why they cast me so quickly. They were about to go. Ian had written two or three episodes, I think. They hadn't set anything up very much. It was all last minute. I was asked to go up to where Wynne Darwin, the police inspector, had been. She'd had a promotion and wasn't there in a little place called Bake Up. Yes. Where we did most of the filming. And I was to meet this police inspector. That's where the police And that was my was, research. Yes. yes. Mm. This was my research. Mm. And I had a day in, he was called Mike somebody or other, and, oh, God, it was boring. I mean, <laughs> he was very nice, but he went through... Because it's a lot of paperwork yeah, yeah, yeah. at that level, actually. Mm. You know, you don't do mm. mainly what we did in the series, actually. You, you, a lot of paperwork, and he very painstakingly Well, it's supposed to be called a procedural drama, but in reality it's probably more procedural That's than right. <laughs> And I thought, oh, well, I don't know what he's talking about. There's form this and form for that. And it was awful, really, <laughs> frankly. And eventually you just think, you know, come on, I've been an actor for 13 years... You trust your script. Mm. You yeah. trust your instinct. There's a certain amount of common sense. Ian had written this fabulous opening episode. Well, he wrote several very good episodes, but fabulous opening up. And you just go on the script, really. Mm. I mean, the main thing that happened was they said, I, in those days, lived in Shepherd's Bush, right behind the BBC. And we knew we were filming in Lancashire. And then they said, would you go for a costume fitting in Birmingham? And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there were studios at Pebble yes, Mill. Yeah. And so we were in studio every fortnight in Birmingham and I was like five minutes from the studios in London. Yes. I mean, <laughs> so all the inside episodes for the whole entire series were done in Pebble Mill, were they? Is that right? Well, mostly, yeah. I think. Mine were. Well, you came to London for the yes, third series, yes, didn't you? Yes, the third. The third series London. in London, right, yes. okay. But of course all the outside mm, bits mm, were, done in, yes. were done in the north. That's right. Um, I don't think people realised how far away yes. one section is from the other yeah. section. Well, that was the same mm. with a lot of programmes, yes. wasn't it? Yes. Even a lot of the comedies, like Open All Hours, mm. Was, mm. the outside scenes were done in Doncaster, yes. but the rest was done in London, wasn't of course, it? Yes. So, yeah. And how difficult is that for you when you're trying to portray, I mean, so it's not so bad in Birmingham, but if you're trying to play a northern character mm. and then suddenly you end up in London or Birmingham doing, doing it, I mean, does it, does it matter? Does it make any difference in the studio, does it at all? I think, no. I think the hardest thing, well, I don't know about you, but for me, is doing it out of, in the wrong order. Yes. Because in, in the theatre, naturally, you do it from beginning to end, you grow from that to that. But in, it, with us, we have to go backwards and forwards, don't we? Out of order. Uh, and you, were in the, you were filming a different mm. episode from the one you were yes. rehearsing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you were already looking at the so one after to, that. So. You'd have yeah. to remember, was I, did I know about that? Or did I, was I, what did I feel? You know, yes. you have to remember. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Mm. Now, now, the first episodes, in fact, all the episodes, they're all 88 episodes, as it were, had a continuity about them. Or mm. certainly, I think there was only one where 
the, these two, those two guys that who played the sergeants weren't in them. Is that? Is that uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so they were the continuity all the way through. Tell us about those two guys who were, were talking about uh, David Ellison, of course, um, and and the guy who played George Parrish. Um, they were there from the beginning, weren't they? What were the, what were they like to work with? Tell us. About oh, them. delightful! Absolutely mm. delightful. Um, <clears throat> quite funny, weren't yes. they? Very wry sense of humour. David was quite shy, wasn't he? Yes, he, but also very funny. You know, yeah. he would he would come out with really outrageous things. But as a person, he seemed very withdrawn. Yes, yes. he was yeah. quite a man's man, wasn't yes. he? <laughs> He'd been a photograph in, of him here, and he, he was quite he was a big drinker. Noel came in, who was the other sergeant, who played George Parrish. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Who and he came to do quite a small bit, really, in one or two episodes. Mm. And uh, David really was the prime mover behind this. And David said, I think he ought to be in more episodes. And he mm. really put pressure on Ian, Kennedy Martin, to to write Noel... Up, into more episodes. To, yeah, into more episodes. Mm. And they obviously thought it was a good idea, and so did. Noel was a different kettle of fish, very wry yes. sense of yes. humour, wasn't he? Very reserved. yes. Very quiet, wasn't mm. he? Mm. Yeah. Now it started as it meant to go on from the beginning, in the sense that this was a, a program about an, a female inspector, and there was a an undercurrent throughout the entire series, really, of um, a fair amount of male chauvinism in the background, and and so sort of Sergeant Dobeck was oh yeah it was the, the big part of that really. Although oh, he yes. played he played things off to his advantage occasionally, didn't he? Here and there, and of course the very first episode, your character had to sort of tell yes, him off didn't, yes. she, didn't she tell us a little bit about that because again you know we, we talk now about you know the whole thing about women is very much in the news about women's equality and whatever um can you remember how a how you, you remember playing that and how it went down back then because we're talking about 38 years ago as it were um the the police force was very very male in those days i mean really male mm. there were very few women in the higher yep. echelons as i say the the lancashire constabulary prided itself i think on that there was more than one woman who was of a higher rank than inspector i think when the woman on you know i was talking about when yes. darwin she retired as chief inspector i think things perhaps were beginning to change but it was very male dominated um, and as you say, it did run through as a sort of surprise when people came in and said, I want to see the mm. inspector, and I walked mm. out or you mm. walked out, and they said, you know, you know <laughs> we'll see the inspector. You know, that, that was there, which seems extraordinary yes. now, but it is a long time ago, of yeah. course. Mm. One of the things that really occurred to me was when I went for this costume fitting <laughs> in Birmingham and I was given this skirt and jacket tailored to fit me and coat and a handbag so when you come to do any filming you've got this skirt on and this jacket and the coat was cold the hat the first hat we wore wasn't reinforced it wasn't a helmet and I had a handbag no pockets there wasn't a single pocket in my jacket I mean talk about ill-equipped and at the same time there were real police officers that I met because that's where I got most of my information is was yes, when we were filming yeah. and there was always a police presence and that's how you really got to know what was going on and how people behaved and how people thought. And would they tell you if you oh, were yes. getting it right kind of thing? Yeah, well, In not so much way. that, but, but, you know, I just asked them about their work and right, what they were yeah. doing and then you got to feel a police attitude, do you mm, know what I mean, mm, and, mm. and understand it and, and I 
I learnt a lot through just talking to the ordinary mm. Bobby who yeah, was watching yeah. us, you know. But they'd say things like, oh, you know, women, you know, well, they don't pull their weight. And, you know, we, I was in a, a riot situation and the women... And you think, no, of course they weren't, you know. There they were with these hats that weren't reinforced. And there they were in these damn skirts that you couldn't move in. And shoes, not reinforced boots like the men had. So it was a huge disadvantage yes. and there's been a yes. huge change, which huge. is brilliant. And in yes. fact, in the series itself, you, of course, were, were two, the two linchpins and you were the focus because you were the, were the women, but there wasn't many other women until no. your series. I think the fifth, sixth series, there mm. was a, a female yes. constable, wasn't yes. there? Who emerged but in it. But it was the first time. Yes. Yeah. And otherwise, it was just me mm. and men. And so I'd asked for a friend at one point because mm. I felt a bit lonely, <laughs> to tell you the truth, because it was quite a male atmosphere you know that they couldn't have been a nicer cast mm. but it was a bit male and I said I'd like a friend really so I do think I did get one uh, it was an actress called Annie Kertois and she played mm. about two three episodes yes but they decided that they would have a an episode with this woman police sergeant came I said, well, that's nice, good. But actually, the episode was about how she was jealous of me and how yes. unpleasant she was. That's right. It wasn't at all mm. a nice friend. Mm. Yes. Again, probably a stereotypical view yes. of how mm. women mm. sometimes can be together. That's yes. what they were thinking, mm. weren't they? Yes. Now, right from the very outset, it tackled, I mean, some serious stuff, but also some fairly mundane things as well. Mm. It wasn't trying to be sort of extra dramatic for no. the sake of it, was no. it? You know, it tackled sort of basic issues which most people would probably come across in in their everyday. Yes. I think that's why people liked it, because it, for them it was like in their sitting room yes. and it was happening now, yes. you know. The police that, that one met filming, you know, just the ordinary copper, used to say they liked it because it reflected their work, mm, which mm. was not car chases. It was mm, not dealing mm. with the mafia or similar things. It was... A lot of social work, actually. Mm. And they liked that we featured that. Yes, we'll come on to the social work in a moment because everything seemed to be solved by some one particular thing in Juliet Bravo. We'll oh. come back to that in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so, so basically talking about those particular issues and there were some serious issues in there there was there was abuse was it was tackled you on, did on more serious occasions. issues actually um, than i did mm. i think you had you had various situations where there were sieges and things like that and farmhouses yes, and all sorts yes. of different things um so you did have some serious stuff there was some bizarre ones there was one of the very early ones with um the famous actress patricia oh that's Hayes in it, yes yes um which was fabulous fabulous yes, episode yes, it was, yeah. um so you you tack and mental health came into it in, mm, in, in mm. a way in which obviously it tackled Gets tackled today, but in those days, I've been rape. talked about in rape yes. as well. Yes. Um, Anna, what did what kind of research did you have to do for that kind of thing to get yourself into that kind of understanding and, and, yes. and being able to cope with those issues? Well, I would always obviously ask the writer and the director, but also if you know anyone who's been through that or whose daughter's been through that, you know, then you can find out on a one to one basis what it was like. You know, because a lot of people do go through these things and they don't talk about them. Mm, mm. And when you actually, you know, sort of pull it out of someone, it's fascinating mm, mm. how they felt, how they reacted, you know. So you do you you do a little bit of your own homework yes, occasionally yes. if you could to try yes. and find out what was... Yeah, no, absolutely. Were you the same? Mm. Did you do the same thing? Though? We didn't do many... Uh, we didn't do as many uh, serious ones mm. as you, I think. We did some It very, got more serious as it went on, didn't it? did, because, mm. of course, the, the whole change, you had a different producer mm. who had a different idea, and, of course, Anna was different, and, and, and it had to change yeah. and it had to slightly move, yeah, I think. Yeah. 
We did a rape episode and I was very worried about it. It was the only episode that I ever tried to sort of influence. Okay. Everything else, I just, you know, whatever it was, you took it on the chin. It was fine. That's what I was paid to do. You dealt with it. But the rape, because we are talking a long time ago Mm -hmm. and it was family viewing and it seemed to me that it wouldn't be able to do it justice. And they would have to hedge and it wouldn't be right. And they paid about as much attention to me as a flea. Mm. Okay. <laughs> that, and it didn't work. Thing. It did not work. No, no. It was not a good episode. Mm. Yeah. And it did look as though she had asked for it. Oh, right. Which okay. is always my fear yeah. because they couldn't be explicit. They couldn't talk about it really. Yeah. Um, I remember the women in makeup when we were mm. watching some of the scenes that I wasn't in and they were all furious about it and said, look, it looks as though she's, she asked for it, it looks as though she, it was all her fault. Anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm, but, interesting. but that was... Be- it would be dealt differently It would be today, dealt with quite differently yeah. now. But, but also, because it was shown at that time in the evening... Mm, 7, 8 o'clock at night. 7, 8 o'clock. Yes. Is that, was 7.30? 7.30, mm. yeah. 7.30. You know, you'd have children mm. still up mm. watching it. Oh, exactly, that's what I mean, yeah. So you've got to be careful. Absolutely. But having mm. said that, mm. having said all that... I remember episodes, there's one particular episode, I think it was one of the early ones, that one of your ones, Stephanie, where, where there was this little boy who was going oh, around yes. uh, causing mayhem, yes. driving cars, and he's only about nine or ten years old or something, yes, or whatever he was. he was. And every other word was a B Bloody. word or whatever. That's right. So it's, and nowadays, you wouldn't be, it's, it's as though we were able to cope a lot more in no. those days with certain things we can't now. No, we got a lot of stick for that. Really? A lot mm. of stick. It was episode three, I think, really early. Oh, there you early. go, stands out. And it was based on a story that Wynne had told to Ian Kennedy Martin of this child, this little boy of 10, who kept running away from home and living on his own in a cave. And they'd take him home or he'd be in a foster home, but wherever he was, he ran away from. And sometimes he'd be away for several weeks. I don't know if he ever stole a, an invalid car, but it was based on, on a Tuesday story, and I think his language was probably a good deal mm. worse. So they calmed it down by having him saying bloody this and bloody yeah, that. Yeah. Well, we got such oh, a really? stick. <laughs> and remember Terry Williams went on a radio programme, maybe it was Terry Wogan, and he defended his position and said, oh, well, you know, it was real life and blah, 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 blah. But in fact, ever after, you weren't allowed even to say damn. Oh, really? No. So that was really? a turning point, was it? Was it was a turning point. We yeah. never, ever had another swear word. Yeah. And that was one of my favourite ones, actually, out of them it all. Because, yeah, because it, yeah. it just felt real. There was something about it that yes. felt quite... He was a wonderful little yeah, child, actually, absolutely. wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he was fantastic, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Did the set, set ever change? No. No. It, it seems to have a little bit of a spruce up, maybe a paint when, you, when you're <laughs> maybe time. But other than that, it was the same. It always same looked quite place, a yes. steer sort of. Yeah. And based actually on the one in Baycott. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like yeah. that. Now, the, the other thing about, about the, the programme was that the, and again, this may seem sexist in some respects, but you had these very sort of dour, hardened police officers, not so much mm. the younger ones later mm. on, but certainly the, the older one, you know, Sergeant Beck and Sergeant Parrish, you know, mm. um, who weren't really hard, really, but they came over as quite, quite hard. But then you had this sort of, in some respects, I suppose they were trying to portray the feminine touch as well, weren't they? In the sense that often your two characters would come over as quite understanding yes. and quite liberal yes, yes. and you felt as though in in watching an episode of Juliet Bravo that you were getting all sides of the story yes it was yes. multifaceted you weren't you weren't just looking <clears throat> at the criminal and thinking oh they're a horrible bad guy you could see another side to them couldn't you and also the well written ones um had scenes where the criminal 
um, started letting out, you know, the reasons mm. why he'd done something or what he felt. Or, and so the audience was taken into him and into his backstory. Yeah. You know. I think there was a feeling within the police force to a degree that sometimes a, a, a woman going into a violent situation could uh, calm it in a way a, a male officer couldn't. Yes, and whereas they mm. they were didn't like the women because they didn't do their riot mm. probably, <laughs> they there was a feeling, and I think that we we showed that sometimes Definitely. in the series yes. that that a, a woman could calm yes. something down. Yes, perhaps. Yeah. But also there's that element of as I just mentioned a second ago that element of trying to get the audience a little bit to understand the basics of things like innocent until proven guilty because mm. there was often in situations whereby you were struggling as as inspectors to bring charges against somebody or whatever it may be because you weren't sure of the evidence yes. or whatever it may yes. be that was an element i think which for me is missing today often you don't see that element mm. whereas julie bravo mm. i think tried to tackle those issues yes i know bit. exactly what you mean because yeah. often they, it's to do with sort of you know have we got time and then psh- Move on to the next scene, you yes. know. Whereas in our day, you could actually take time to get that out of him. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, the thing you notice when you watch it now is there's no music, mm. none whatsoever. There's the opening credits mm. and the closing. There wasn't credits. a gentle touch, of course. Gentle touch had music mm. all the way through. Right, it. It we was, didn't because it cost money. Yes, <laughs> and so we were on a budget of tuppence. Uh, so there's no music, and so what you had in those. Uh, episodes where there was suspense mm. is yourself, yes. <laughs> selves, the actors, the camera angle mm. and the script. Mm. You know, there was mm. no mm. aid mm. through yes. music and of course yes. it's, it's huge now. We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel mm. me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Nah, I mean. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. Look, 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 look. We all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. With this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta don't play with it. Take that shit serious. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM, and if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you. As well as amazing TV and film nostalgia, this podcast is also home to an epic radio quiz, where listeners just like you go head-to-head on their favourite TV shows and films, and put their general knowledge to the test. There's a bonus point if you can sing the theme tune, but I know you're not going to, are you? Skippy, 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 the bush kangaroo is all I can remember that. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that earns you a point. Yeah, I'll go for that. The fifth season of the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz is almost here, and it needs you. Prisoner cell block... Cell block B. Prisoner cell block H. Oh. Simply choose your favourite TV show or film. 
and get in touch at distinctnostalgia.com. Have a go at three British films. Just have a guess. Oh, Whistle Down the Wind, Carry On Up the Khyber. Um, no, this is rubbish. I'm sorry. No, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> they're not bad attempts, actually. And the two leading minds from across the month compete head-to-head in the final for a coveted Distinct Nostalgia mug. It's almost like a trophy. The Mind of the Month quiz. What kind of programme was The Smoking Room? Oh, I've never heard of it. I don't know if I can accept that. Returns in October. That's another cracker, isn't it? They Uh, always are. (laughs) Only here. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, then we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Which one of you was it was held hostage in your office? You must. Have I think been. yes, it was. Was it, it was you? Me. And I, was, was that with Daniel Spark? Daniel yes. Spark, yes. Character, Daniel yes. Spark, who was a great actor, wasn't Wonderful. he? A lovely guy. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And you, you were. Yes. That was from one of the first episodes that he was in. I think. I can't remember why I was held there. I can't remember Isn't either. What it was, <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say. The music and the fact that it's slow. Yes, right. yes. Now, you like it or you don't, but it's it's one of the mm, things that's mm, altered. That's, mm. that's either Everything goes so fast you now. enjoy it. Mm. That's right. Yes. Everyone speaks so fast. We speak mm. more slowly and the plot evolves mm. more slowly. Yes. And you take your time. Like, if you know someone needs to sort of think before they speak, they, yes. they've got you're allowed time. to. Yes. You're allowed. You're yes. allowed to pause. You don't have to come in, bang that's on right. cue. That's right. No. You know. Which happens in real mm. life, doesn't I it? Know. You know, yeah. I know. So I like that. I like that mm. aspect. But I'd imagine there will be people watching it thinking, mm. oh, God, what, 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 is this? Speed up <laughs> what is this Victorian thing? Yes. Now, you both had love interests. What do you feel about that? Yours was there right from the very start. Yours emerged, mm. Anna, didn't mm. it? So tell us a bit about that. And, but you know, often we'd see, we'd go back to your that's house quite husband. a bit. Spend, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what did you feel about that? It was a that? clever move, wasn't it? Because he was uh, a social worker, eventually. Yes. He, he was unemployed to begin with, so Jean was the main breadwinner. And then he became a social worker, so there was an area quite often of conflict between what the police wanted to do and what the social workers wanted to do, which was sort of brought out in their home life to a degree. But it, it was basically a very happy, stable, good marriage. Mm. And, and that was a nice thing. Yeah. I mean, when we first started... I mean, of course, it was... I had spent so... Well, you must have done, Anna. You spent so many episodes of this, that and the other as the wife mm. saying, oh, and what happened next? Because mm. you're never the instigator of anything. And and now David Hargreaves, who played my husband, was doing it. And he said, oh, Jean, what happened at work today? You know, what happened? And, and he didn't like it. He did not like <laughs> being the, the little person at home who, who asked what had happened. So that was quite nicely ironic for, for the women. You but know. that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because, of course, lots of men now mm. stay at mm. home. Mm. Yes. Well, that would have been a big thing. Yes, it was, days. yes. 
it was, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And you, your love interest was slightly Eddie. different, wasn't it? Because he was actually in the force. Yes. Which must have yes. been a bit controversial as well, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. And um, he was playing the detective. Tall, very good looking, very subtle. He never sort of... Um, Edward Peel. Edward Peel. Yeah. He never sort of threw it in your face. He just used to sort of just say things, you know. And it was he's just very attractive, wasn't he? Mm. Very mm. sexy. <laughs> Am I allowed to use that word? I think so. I don't think I don't think that's been banned yet, as it's probably twenty first century. Oh, in some respects, we seem to be going backwards on certain things. But yeah, so, so that, that was quite that was quite interesting. And, and did you, as actors, did you get much response to that? I mean, what kind of response did you get generally to the, from the series? Not a lot. No. No, mm. I don't remember any letters mentioning it. No. That's strange, isn't mm. it? Mm. So I suppose because yes. the core of it was always about mm. the particular issues and the things it was tackling yes, at the time. Yes. Yeah. Now the, the continuity, obviously, mm. for the first three um, series was was yourself, and and the second series was yourself. There, there was there was there was Sergeant Beck and there was Sergeant Parrish who went through them all. Mm. But they sort of played around with younger characters, didn't they? That's in a right. sense, there were some yes. that came in and out mm. and, and whatever. Tell us a bit about some of them because it'd be nice to at least get some of those people mentioned in, in, in this in this program. Um, tell us about some <coughs> of the early people you, you were working with. <coughs> Some of the younger ones you were working with right at the beginning. Um, we started definitely. off there in my time. I don't know about yours. We always had a young copper, mm. uh, so that in fact, you know, he was generally a bit dippy and learning the <laughs> work. So you could get a bit of humour into it. Yes, and and also you could explain things, of course, because you know you wouldn't know quite what was going on. The first one we had was a lovely actor, actually one of the best actors I think in the whole series uh, of any you know guest or regular. A lovely actor called Mark Drury. Yes. Mm. And Mark very sadly died very young mm. in a road accident in his 30s, mm. which was Gosh. dreadfully sad mm. in every way, and also because he was so talented. And our second one was a complete contrast, a lovely Scottish actor called <laughs> Gerard Kelly. Very sweet and, and eccentric <coughs> and delightful a man. He actually died very young too, sadly. Um, but he went back to Scotland and had a wonderful career in Scotland and played the definitive dame Every mm. year, oh really? <laughs> yes, in Glasgow. <laughs> yes, yes. And then, and then, in, and then in your series, there was C.J. Allen, wasn't yes. there? And there was Mark Botham who That's played right. uh, right. Daniel. Yes. Tell us a bit about those two. Oh, they were lovely. They were such fun, and you know, used to always tease me and sort of send me up <laughs> all the time, and complete the opposite to their characters. Yes. You know, who of course had to show respect. <laughs> because I was the boss. But um, it was just lovely working with them. I mean, I think the older I get, the more important humour is. Yes. I think it's absolutely crucial. Mm. If you don't have a sense of humour, then you yeah. don't stand a chance. And there was humour in Julia Bravo, there wasn't was. there? There was. There was humour in there that yes. helped it through. Yes. Helped it, definitely. So, so let's roll the clock back a bit. So 1980, 1980 81, 82 were the first three series. Mm. And you decided in 1982... Yeah. To give up and, yeah. and 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 leave, which at the time because it was doing exceptionally well, it was yeah. eighteen million, nineteen, twenty million well, viewers. No. We peaked at sixteen, so it was doing really, really well. Oh, yeah. Go on. Why did you decide to opt out? Well, there were two main reasons. One is that you had to be very careful in that. See, it sounds as though we're talking about six <laughs> centuries ago, <laughs> but you had to be very careful about what was called typecasting. Yes. Yes. And if you wanted to work again, you had to be careful not to get typecast. Now, the worst typecasting happened in soaps. 
Yes. I mean, what a joke now, because you go from one soap to another to all sorts mm-hmm. of things. But in those days, and I knew people, this had happened to actors who'd never worked again. Yeah. From being in a soap, they never worked again on television, and probably not even much in theatre. I mean, it, it was a very difficult thing. Now, we were in a series, and that was supposed to be one up on a soap, mm-hmm. but... Because it was uniform, there was a real danger of being typed. And I thought, if I stay any longer, I'm going to risk my television. Mm. As it happened, I was typed. I mean, it's absurd now to think that nobody would employ me for two years on television. And you come out of a really successful... Really? No. Really successful TV show. Did they show. say why? Did they actually? Did you ever go to things and they say? Oh, yes, you... I went to one. Uh, uh, Alan Plater had written, and I didn't get it. And I knew, I knew because mm. theatre. No, no, television, oh, yeah, television, television series, uh, serial, the six mm. parts, and I desperately wanted it. Mm. And I could see the moment I walked through, the producer kind of just her face just clouded over because I, I was really angry because I thought you know I've wasted my bus mm. fare and my time mm. Mm. because she clearly wasn't mm. interested but l- sometime later I because uh, I knew Alan Plater and I asked him and he said oh yes she said you were too well known oh really I mean well, can you believe that's that? ridiculous <sighs> <sighs> you were, I was too well known in those days whereas now you know uh, if you come out of a series mm, that's mm. very successful, you would be grasped, mm. of course, mm. by all sorts of people. But it, it, So anyway, I didn't know it was going to be as difficult as it was, and it would have got worse, without any doubt, had I not been able to go on for another 15 years mm. when then everything changed. Yes. Because I was in another series called The Hello Girls, and an actress called Letitia Dean was in it. From EastEnders. And Letitia Dean had just left EastEnders. And I was amazed because it was the first instance I knew of, this was 97, (coughs) where someone from a soap went into something else Mm, on mm, television. mm. So I didn't know this. This was early days and I thought I... But the other reason was that I felt after whatever, 43 episodes, I'd done everything. I'd done dramatic ones, funny ones, whimsical Mm. ones, and probably twice over. Mm, And mm. there was nowhere really to go. Yes, interesting. And I also, and you must have seen this, Anna, you'd you'd see series where people got lazy because they were cosy and they weren't being challenged anymore. I didn't want that as an actor. Mm -hmm. I I was still young. I didn't want that. So you decided to leave after series three. And how did you get the part then, Anna? What happened? I just went and met... Um, the producer. Yeah. Had you followed Stephanie on? Had you been watching it? Of course I had, yes, yes. (laughs) And you thought, I I want want that. (laughs) I never even contemplated getting it. No. Because I didn't think anyone would cast me as a policewoman, you know. I had long hair, so I had to cut it when I got the part so that I could wear my police helmet. Yes, yes, of course, of course. You weren't allowed to have it over your collar, were you? And, and was, you know, what did they say about the part? Did they want Kate Longton to be quite different to Jean? Or? Um, no, they didn't actually no. demand they anything. To, some they continu- just, continuity, do you think? They just talked to me, yeah. you know, and just said, can you read this scene and mm. do that scene? And, you know, it was all very sort of relaxed. And I didn't think for a moment I would get the part. I was astonished. Can you remember getting it? Yeah, you the moment you I just remember because I just don't see myself as a police inspector <laughs> or a policewoman. Fabulous. You know, I'm, I'm completely the opposite. <laughs> and how was it dealt with on in the programme? Was it ever talked about? Did, or did did one series end and... Uh, no, it wasn't talked about. Mm. Uh, I When I said I'd like to leave and I said I would just like you not to kill me, 
Okay. And they said, that's fine, we won't kill you. I think I got a promotion. All right, okay. I think I got a promotion, yeah. <laughs> Now, talking about promotion, that was one of the big parts of the, the sixth series with Kate Longton, wasn't yes. it? And yes. the one I've just watched, actually, was the one where you had to go before a board to try and get a promotion. That's right. And this was one where, where, where the whole sexism thing really came out, didn't it? Tell us about that. Do you remember that? I can't remember it in detail. <laughs> I don't remember it in detail, but I remember thinking this is so contemporary. Yes. You know, this is happening now with women all over the world. Yeah. You know, so I just thought this is really good because she was basically she was she was late yes. for the appointment, wasn't yes. she? Because she'd been working on yes. a, a particular job, something had happened. So, but that was held against her in a way; yes. it wouldn't have been held yes. against the men. And, and so she turned up late, and then the whole questioning uh, was all about whether or not she was she'd got a partner and was going to have kids. On yes, oh, <laughs> I know. No, really old fashioned, isn't yes. it? Yeah, dated. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite shocked now how some professions are still rather sort of behind. You know? That was the case in the police yes. force then, though, without yes. any doubt. Really? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, without yeah. any doubt. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and over the years, of course, um, there's been plenty of people who've had guest appearances in the programme. Lots mm. of people would appear in it. A little bit like Crown Court used to be, where people would appear mm-hmm. and make their debut on mm. something, and there's been tons of them. Anybody in particular that stands out? And obviously, there's loads of great ones, but anybody stand out for you, uh, Stephanie? There's Martin Hesford. Yes. Um, who's a writer now. Who's now a writer, who played a, a young constable in one or two episodes. Kevin Wakeley mm. came in. I think he was CID, and it was an episode about social work, I think. Mm. Mm. Oh, no, he, met, he was a social worker. Anyway, uh, he speaks for himself, really. He became and, extremely famous. And there was always this battle on, wasn't there, between the little police station that was, you know, and, and the CID and the, and the, mm. the bigwigs at, mm. uh, yes. at base kind of thing. Yes. yes. And I think that was quite endearing, wasn't it? This sort of, the, and you always won mm. at the end of the day, didn't you? You always managed to get, you know, get, the worst, get your own way. The, the yes. two worst were, were that we had two guys who came up from London to <laughs> CID officers from London. They were the real horrors. Yes. Um, because not only they were CID, not only they were men, not only they were throwing the wage around, but they were from London, for God's sake. <laughs> they were real. <laughs> exactly. And of course, um, there was always a bit of rivalry, between, not rivalry, but a sort of a bit of us and them kind of thing between the inspector and the sergeants and whatever, wasn't there? But then when these outsiders came in, that's where you all united together, that's wasn't right. it? Yes. You battled yes. against that kind yes. of thing. Let's just talk a little bit more about um, those two guys who were in it right from the very beginning and all the way through to the end. So we're talking about the guy who played Sergeant Beck David. and David Ellison uh, yes. and, and the guy who played George Parrish mm. who was mm. Noel, Noel Collins. Noel Collins. Mm. Sadly they're no longer with us, died a few years ago. Mm. Um, but they were very important weren't they to Juliet very. Bravo? I mean it was a real, you know, they were the linchpins of that yes. of that programme in many yes. ways. Just tell us a bit about them as people, as characters. I think it's quite nice to pay tribute to them a little bit. What were they, what were they, what were they, what were they like as, as people to work with but also, you know, in terms of the parts they played, do you think? What well, did they, they bring both, to it? They both had a great sense of humour, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. David was surprisingly shy, sort of quiet, you know, but he would come out with very funny things. But he, you sort of, um, when you watched him, he had a kind of depth, yes. you know, that he was really on the case. He was thinking about things and saying things, you know. So although he was modest, he was also very, had an impact, you yes. know. Yes. And had, um, Noel as well, but in yeah. a different way. Noel was more sort of confident, more casual. Mm-hmm. David had this huge sense of fairness. Yes. And uh, um, it was David that was instrumental in getting Noel written up as a character. 
a real sense of fairness, wasn't mm. it? And, and it was David who said, although we all agreed because we'd all been around for a bit, David said when we started, we're, we're not to become cliquey. Mm. Mm. We're always to welcome mm. everybody. Mm. Because we'd all worked on mm. series and soaps where everybody don't sit there at so and so seat, don't do, and everyone just talked to themselves, and we we and we all got together the five regulars, and we said we mm. will not be like that. Mm. We will not have chairs. We will always welcome everybody and staff as well. We will always be open, which we were, I think, mm. and the staff did like working on Juliet Bravo. Now it was an effort, I have to say. The easiest way is for you to sit in a corner on your usual mm. seat. Mm. and not taking any notice of anybody. But it was David who pushed that, yes. actually. Yes, And, and he was always absolutely honest. He would say exactly what he thought. Like, if you'd just done a scene where you broke down or, you, you know, whatever, he would tell you exactly what he thought. Mm. And that's what actors need, mm. you know. Mm. They're like children. They need guidance, confidence. And what do you think those two, those two actors brought to their parts? They were just utterly truthful. Mm. Both of them. They were never showy. You know, some actors I've worked with are very sort of full of themselves and show off a lot, you know, not, not caring about the effect they're having. But both David and Noel were, like, always on the case, you know, listening to you and mm. talking to you. Mm. And it was like they cared, mm. you know. And the characters for me, having had people in my family who in the police force uh, at that particular time as well, do feel... They do feel believable, actually. Yes. There's something yes. believable about them. Yes. yes. They're a bit curmudgeonly and a bit sort of... But uh, there was always an element of that I found with people I knew in the mm. police force That's anyway. right, that irony, which yeah. they both had, and they both had mm. in real life, mm. didn't yeah. they? Yes. And we learnt a little bit more about their private lives as things went on, didn't we, about mm. their backstory mm. and things. I think, you know, they, they came over as being, you know, sort of all very together, yes. sergeants and police officers, but actually underneath it all, there were, there yes. were things going yes. on which weren't quite Oh, well, that quite must right. have been later in that your Later series, on, then, yeah, yes, it was. Because yeah. in my series, we yes. we really didn't have any of that. No, no, no. it was all, the the depth was all left to then, to your character. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Good, you were going to say a bit more about them, but about, about that. Well, I think that for Noel, it wasn't immediately obvious casting, mm. and as I say, it was because David wanted him in it because we all liked him and we thought he was good. So it was much more of a an imaginative leap for Noel, yes. really, to play mm. that part. Yeah. Isn't it? it wasn't the kind of thing he'd done before. No. David was just fell into his. Role. Yes. yes, he just fell yes. into it. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's a lovely expression. <laughs> use that. It's wonderful, isn't it? And you were going to say something more about? I no, I was just saying that you, David um, was very sort of passionate, but unhidden passion. Mm. Mm. I, that's a very strange expression, isn't it? But he cared oh, yes. very much about everything, mm. and he spoke the truth. And his character was like that, but but he was modest. Yes, you know, yeah, so he wasn't showy. Space. Not so long ago. In a time of intergalactic turmoil, the peaceful tyranny of the Galactic Empire is forever being threatened by evil anarchist forces. What was that? Morning. Anarchist forces have launched a surprise attack on a Sun Crusher's outer defense craft. Only the Sun Crusher space station can bring order back to the Empire. This is not a drill, although they probably are using drills. And only one man and one robot have the administration skills to keep bureaucracy burning bright. You are so anal. I don't be ridiculous, Brack. I don't even have an anus. That's an exhaust port. Meet Brack Nubar. That's my pay slip, isn't it? 
it's completely blank. And X769C. My gang payload has been engaged and my suicide mission protocols are on standby. Thrill as they take on giant brides and evil geniuses. She's beautiful. Really? She looks like a giant calculator on steroids. Gasp as they look death squarely in the face and then run away. Down a garbage <laughs> ship. I'm not going down <laughs> Written and performed by Ian McNess and Richard Delafield. Stop stroking yourself. It creeps me out. <clears throat> you don't get heroes like this. Kill me now. Just get it over with. Well, I do have this letter. Creep space. You okay now? Yes. So I can stop holding your hand? Yes. Coming soon to Distinct Comedy. Dear Miss Jones, may I call you Clementina? Firstly, may I say how nice it was to meet you in the park yesterday? Distinct Comedy presents Letters from one Border Terrier pup to another. Apparently, socks that cannot accommodate toes because they have large holes where said toes should be fail to fulfil any real purpose. Based on true events seen through canine eyes. I now know that I'm definitely afraid of both heights and, not surprisingly, of big ladies. Dear Clementina, new episodes every Thursday. Search for Distinct Comedy wherever you get your podcasts. Sincerely yours, Stanley Burke. Woof! Racing on a little bit, it seemed to me that Julia Bravo was actually, in some respects, just getting into its stride in 1985. Yes. When it was taken off and replaced by Casualty. Yes. In the sense that these characters, particularly the, the younger ones, have become sort of household names. People like them, people were fond of them, and then suddenly, you know, it, it, it went. When did you... Get, did you get? I mean, it feels to me you, you watch uh, series six, mm. and it doesn't. I mean, obviously not that not that you're going to show this, but it feels to me as though this is a series doing really well. It's going to carry on, and I would have thought as actors you thought it was going to carry on. Did you? When did you find out that it was? Being yes, axed? I suppose because I've got two young daughters. Then it was getting quite hard being away filming three weeks every month leaving your young children behind with nannies because my husband was a film director and right. television director. You yes. wanted to leave, didn't you? Mm. Yes. I, I mean, so. I, what I understood, since Anna wanted to give up after three that I had done, and they decided oh, that, really? that it actually beggared belief to have a third woman inspector mm. in this little tiny place. Right. So they decided to drop it. OK, so it was partly mm. influenced by the team, by yourselves, in terms of yes. the fact that it wouldn't go further. Yes. further. I just felt I couldn't do it for another... Yeah, years. you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. they were five and seven. Yes, so it's good. Yeah, they're quite young. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Did you did you think they would just get rid of it, or did you think it would carry I, on? I with thought another... somebody else would take yeah, over. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You see, now they they wouldn't hesitate. Of course, mm. they'd have a third mm. woman if yes. it was doing well. They would go on with it. They yeah, would like they do with heartbeat. They absolutely. kept changing yes. it constantly. Absolutely. So now we're we're nearly forty years on from the mm. first one in nineteen eighty. There's been lots of cop series since then. Mm. Quite a few with mm. women <laughs> is the main character and all the rest of it. Looking back, you two were pioneers, weren't you, Ooh. actually? There you go. <laughs> of course, um, you don't know that, really. No, you don't know the you time. Know. No. You don't know that. <laughs> no, exactly. But how do you feel about it now when you look back and when you hear people talking about it and saying how wonderful it was for them to watch it and they enjoyed it? How does it make you both feel? 
Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Yes. Mm. It's lovely that one is still remembered and recognised. And people remember it with Mm. affection and Mm. delight. I mean, it's wonderful. I suppose that the power of television is that you are in their sitting room. You know, I got letters, as I told you, you know, from old widowers and people. And because you're in their sitting room, they believe in you. Mm. You're Mm. a real person every week. You know. And actually, in many ways, for a lot of people, because of the way the situation system was at the time mm. and there weren't many mm. women police officers around, or inspectors around, you were probably the only one they knew mm. of. Yes. Weren't you? Yes, and uh, and also women in a position of power, mm. we weren't seeing on television. Mm. And authority, mm. we weren't seeing on television. And with men underneath them, as it mm. were, you mm. know, in the less responsible positions, we weren't seeing in those days. So How, yes, how, much, how much do you think the arrival of Mrs Thatcher had in all of this? Do you think they felt as though, because we suddenly got a female Prime Minister, that we needed to start showing more women on TV at that time? Do you think that was influenced by that? Or I not? never thought about no. that. It never, it never occurred to me. No, no. Because she was mm. obviously yes, she the was, main yes. female. I mean, it, it was desperately needed within police series because mm. I remember, as I mm. said, I was in Juliet Bra- uh, Z cars <laughs> from time to time. And I remember saying, you know, this is ridiculous. You're not even, the BBC is not even reflecting what mm. is going mm. on in the police force. And the police force are not reflecting what's happening in society. And this this should change. Yes. Um, so the BBC and ITV with mm. the gentle touch did mm. sort of get their act together. And what kind of rivalry was there between the gentle touch and and um, and Juliet Brown? Do you think there was much of a rivalry? None, except they got a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> My God, did they get a lot more money. And it was quite glamorous, the gentle touch, It was very it? glamorous and they got a lot more money and they got cars, uh, Jill Gascoigne got a car to take her everywhere. <laughs> she got a caravan. We didn't even have a Winnebago. That was I on mean, the weekend television. They obviously exactly. <laughs> we had no Winnebagos, no transport, no nothing, and lousy pay. <laughs> <laughs> and and did, both programmes were obviously very popular. Was Julie Brown more popular than, than Gentle Touch, or did they... I mean, Gentle Touch finished earlier than Julie oh, Brown carried know. on a bit longer. Yes, say yes. I know I did. OK, OK. Um, just a couple more things, then, to, to, to talk about. Um, the other thing that's quite interesting about it was that a lot of the time it never seemed to necessarily come to a conclusion some of the episodes it would end with just you know gene thinking about mm, something mm. i don't know sort of pausing and saying something it, it was quite strange in that mm. way which you don't tend to get today most things would just end yes, with a conclusion yes. whereas it just left you thinking and yes. thinking well what did happen to such and such and such and such do you think that was uh, on purpose or an accident or what was it do you think well it's obviously in the writing yes isn't it do you know i don't recall that yeah. sort of feel mm. at all no actually. no it tended to if you, no, if you watch some of the episodes you can you okay. think I, I want to know more about that oh, and it just mm. sort of suddenly ends you know are you Maybe, aware of that i wasn't aware but i think it's quite good mm. to leave it in the audience's Hands, you know, yeah. minds. Yeah. Let them think yeah. about what they would rather happen. Mm. You know, would they want her to do that? Mm. Would they rather she'd done that? Mm. You know, I think it's good because life's like, like that, isn't life. it? Not everything is answered yes. necessarily. It's not no. everything's concluded, is it? I, I think that should be the title of your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> no, you think so? Don't you? What? Not everything's concluded. That's a good title. Do actually. you know what mine is? <laughs> what? Live every moment. Oh, well, that's a good one. A very do good not one. waste time grumbling, no. regretting. No. You know, Absolutely. The people you hear grumbling, 
because they can't get their cheese in the supermarket or the train's five minutes late or, you know. <laughs> I'm guilty of that, I have to admit. I'm guilty of a grumble, a grumble or two. Um, a, a bit like Sergeant Beck. He used to grumble a lot. Oh, Sergeant yes. Beck, he grumbled oh, yes. a lot. Yes, now, one of the things that Sergeant Beck was very good at in Juliet Bravo was making tea. Mm. He tend- and he didn't like that, did he? You yeah. know, can I have another cup of tea? And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> sergeants don't just have to make tea, but he often made cups of tea. And it seems that a lot of episodes, it, you know, it would come down to... Uh, Anna or Jean sat around with some somebody who, who was in difficulties or whatever, having a mm. cup of tea. Yes, yes. You know, reflect on that a little bit. It's quite funny, but in one sense, but and it's quite, I suppose, it's quite quaint to think about it like that. But, but actually, that whole thing of just communicating with somebody is still very important, I, isn't it? I think it is very important, and I think that's why, if the series was a success, that's why because there were real people behaving in a truthful way. Mm. You know, they felt like oh, sitting down and thinking about that or saying this or not saying, you know. It, they were real people. Yeah. They weren't behaving like police officers, you I know. S- I suppose it's the same thing we talked about earlier, isn't it? It's the it's the slowness of it. Mm. Uh, and the, the, hopefully sometimes a woman's mm. influence was more calming. Mm. Um, not something I was aware of, actually, but it's well, quite really? interesting <laughs> to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Well, as, as somebody who's watched quite a lot of the episodes re- and watch them recently. Yes, I haven't seen them for often, years. Mm. Often it is a cup of tea oh, that right. solves the... And, and also that thing of letting the audience think about what they've just heard yes. or witnessed, you know. What would they do if that they saw that man doing this or that mm. girl doing this, you know. It, it, I think it sort of puts it into the audience's heart. Exactly, exactly. Now, the very final episode mm. ended in tragedy, mm. didn't it, for mm. one of the characters? We're mm. talking about Daniel Sparks. Yes. I've not actually watched that one. This one I've not seen. Um, but obviously that was a, you know, was one agony. that a lot of people talk about. Yes. And And tell us a bit about that. How did you play that? Because I, I gather it was, it was very emotional Well, it was agony. Yeah. Absolute agony, you know. And um, in a way, I wondered why they'd ended on such a horrible, you know, note. But in another way, you think, well, It'll affect everybody who's watching it. You know, yes. they're going to be drawn in and then sort of then left, you know, so they'll want more. They'll want more Juliet Bravo. So yes. they won't get any more. I know. <laughs> well, I say, um, br- I say bring it back. Mm, mm. I say bring it back. What do you well, think? they re- repeated it on Drama, yeah, yeah, yeah. drama Channel. Bring it back how? Mm. You mean with a, a young woman? Well, yeah, in a, mm. in a, you know, maybe in a slightly different setting. Mm. But It'd be very different because there's no police stations no, for starters. No, and there you go. There's different police procedures. Yes. And, yes. Uh, maybe I'm just dreaming. I think you might be. I think you might be. <laughs> Anna and Stephanie, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Real, real great pleasure. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was, what, nine or ten when I first started watching it. And it's... It's you know mainly the theme tune, but now I'm now I'm mm. starting to rewatch them again. Little elements are coming mm. back, and it certainly was, as I said before, you know I didn't know any police women at the mm-hmm. time. Mm. So actually, in many ways, your depictions of police women are actually, in some respects, what I think police women are even to this day. Do you know what I mean? Yes. In a weird sort of way. Well, Strange, but that's how I feel. That's the most flattering thing you could <laughs> <have> said. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you, Thank Richard. You. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM and there are loads more excellent shows to listen to on our website. Danny Rogers recalls growing up with 321's Dusty Bin. 
So my first encounter with Dusty Biddon was my dad sort of wheeling him out as a young boy. I had no clue what this thing was. And I was frightened, of course. But as it went on, I was like, oh, this is my new best friend. <laughs> and I was one of the lucky few that actually had one in their bedroom. Cathy Gorey discusses the legacy of Rosemary, the telephone operator. Hello, hello. I had an effect on a bunch of Gen Xers. Or maybe I was their first female crush or something. But I meet men, some of them quite powerful now, who grew up watching me. You know, watching Rosemary, rather. But I thought, this is nuts. And they let me do pretty much what I wanted to do. Everything was always rhyming. Some you call the police department, Hong Kong Kong. And that's that's what I thought Rosemary would sound like. And John Boy himself talks about his childhood with the Waltons. It was really one of the great ensemble TV shows. I mean, we had 11 regulars. And although the story was told from John Boy's point of view, one of the great things about the show was the main story could be about the little kid one week or it could be about the grandparents so you had all this wonderful generational comprehensiveness about it and so i would call it first and foremost a great ensemble these programs and many more are available at distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you get your podcasts subscribe to be notified whenever a new episode becomes available and if you like what we do then please consider supporting us on patreon every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button thank you for listening and bye for now distinct nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with life rooms and mercy care nhs foundation trust We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.